Welcome to another episode of Hoggin' the Mic. I am Tucker Partridge, celebrating an Arkansas win for the first time in a long time. Joining me is Saul Malone, my co-host. Say hello, Saul Malone. What is up, everybody? These are two voices of people that support a winning football team. It is really unreal, um, if you can tell, kind of listening to my voice. Uh, we've been celebrating the hogs, uh, been celebrating the hogs. It's been just incredible to, uh, see the state kind of come alive again as there's hope in the air once more. I just got to say, folks, folks, I cannot begin to express to you my excitement. Uh, Tucker has literally lost his voice from screaming adulation at the hogs, uh, as you can tell. Uh, I may have gotten some complaints from my downstairs neighbors about the amount of jumping up and down I was doing, uh, and they didn't understand that there were actually people from Arkansas and L.A. We had a lovely discussion. Uh, but yeah, uh, we won a freaking football game in the year of our Lord 2020. We won a freaking football game. We broke all kinds of streaks. Obviously, the bad SEC losing streak is over. Uh, stopped, made sure to show us that a number of times. Wolf. Yeah, it was less than desirable, but we did it. We did it. We did it. It's done. It's gone. I don't, we don't have to talk about it anymore. I'm sure we're going to talk about it anymore, but no one can hold it over our heads anymore. It's it's no longer a thing that we have to carry the burden of. Uh, we have put rest. We have put that burden down, and we, we do not have to pick it back up uh, for so, for hopefully some time to come. And uh, that feels really, really good. It's just awesome to see the passion back on the sideline. I mean, you could tell the players were having fun with it. The coaches were having fun with it. Uh, I was having fun with it. This was the first time I've felt good about Arkansas football in like three years. That kind of good feeling started last week. But my God, to finally get over that hump. I mean, it's just, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. And we did it. And uh, some other folks that we might have some bad blood towards did not do so great. Not that that matters. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We did it. And on top of that, uh, just a little side note. We'll get back to the good stuff here in a second. Uh, Chad Morris really put up a stinker uh, <laughs> for the uh, for calling the Auburn offense against Georgia. Uh, that Georgia just absolutely decimated them. So just a little bit of sweetener on top of everything to me to see Chad Morris kind of get his shit kicked in again uh, just at another school. So that felt good. And, you know, I don't condone just outright hatred or being a hater for – for no reason, but man, that sweetened the pot a little bit for me. I don't know if you felt the same way. Yeah, uh, Chad Morris kind of looking uh, lost out there again uh, after kind of, for some reason, kind of being the darling of the media for this week one uh, was very cathartic. It felt like we shouldn't get two good things in a row. We shouldn't get an Arkansas win and a Chad Morris looking bad, but we did. <laughs> Fun part of hate watching that game was uh, watching Chad Morris put a 300 pound tight end in at Wildcat quarterback uh, based on his resume. Is there any prediction you'd like to make for the success of the play? <laughs> yeah, it uh, completely shut down, completely shut down. So uh, folks, 
you you simply love to see Chad have a harder time than perhaps he was expecting. Mm, you simply love to hear it, folks. Um, yeah, I I want to say before we get into like the breakdown of the game and some numbers and stuff. Did you have you happened to get a chance to see um, Coach Pittman's post game presser? I have. Or speech, excuse me, and speech in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, I have. Great stuff. And I, I think the thing that stood out to me the most uh, is his, when he was talking to the guys, talking to the team, and he said, "We've done, you guys have done everything we've asked you to do. And I think that, to me, was a huge indicator uh, of what Coach Pittman and his staff, like why they got this victory and like how the, the team will look moving forward because – if you come into the position that Arkansas is in, if you come into this this locker room and, and it's in desperate need of, you know, when he comes in of a culture shift and of just basically assuring his guys to buy in. And over the course of this summer, despite everything going on with with coronavirus and everything like that, he got these guys to buy in and buy in fairly quickly. Um, and it, I think that's the thing that stood out to me from that speech was him just saying like, hey, we, you've done everything we've asked you to do. And that says something because it's it's easy to, to buy in once you've won a lot. But to buy into Arkansas after the three years we've had, man, that's we got some special guys. Yeah, I really think it's a testament to how well Sam Pittman has handled this transition, this locker room, this pretty massive hurdle coming from Georgia to his first head coaching job uh, at a big, big rebuild. But the talent was there. He said it in the video. And it just, it's cathartic seeing them play well, just <laughs> knowing what we know about how the locker room was handled last year. But it it really makes you proud. It, and I found myself kind of getting a little emotional with him as he yeah. kind of looked to tear up on the sideline. He, he looked like he was tearing up. It just, this is a good guy. It's a good guy, and I want him to get a good win. Yeah. And it's just, you know, the players love him. They love him. Yeah, and the guy was here for our last SEC victory against Ole Miss. Really cool full circle moment there. You know, he's there for the last one, and he's there to start – the new one, the new era with the win in the SEC. And, you know, it, it does come around, and it's just nice to see, you know, kind of just, if we're going to deal in cliches here, kind of nice to see a good guy just win, you know. You you want it for him. You want him to succeed here because he's so bought in so quickly when a lot of people weren't even, you know, thinking of Arkansas have in any sort of serious form or fashion. So it just feels good to see a good guy get a, a win like that. Yeah, uh, we've talked a lot about Sam Pittman, obviously, but I think the star of the show here was defense. So let's break down Barry Odom's unit and kind of talk about the stats there. Usually we start with offense, but uh, hey, let's hear about the defense, Saul. Yeah, defense, you know, normally we kind of start the show going over our offensive numbers because, you know, offense is kind of, it's the most fun part. It's about the scoring and that sort of stuff. But our defense over the last two games and especially Saturday in Starkville, it's just been really cool to see because, frankly, I we are light years ahead of where I even thought we would be. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> according to, you know, Barry, there's still, you know, room for improvement. And, of course, there is. But to be so far ahead of schedule of, of what I thought was going to be just an incredibly dire situation is really special. But, yeah, let's jump into the numbers. We'll leave with the defense. Uh, Hogs gave up 400 total yards uh, on the day, which is 
considering what Mississippi State did to LSU last week, something to nothing to sneeze at. Um, the Hogs gave up 313 of those 400 yards to the air. Uh, KJ Cassell was 43 of 59 for a touchdown and three interceptions, which we'll get to here in a second. Uh, only gave up 87 yards on the ground. Uh, Cowan Hill, unfortunately, was injured pretty early on in the contest. So the Bulldogs were paced by Dylan Johnson, who went for 39 yards and a touchdown, and Jaquavius Marks, who went for 37 yards. Uh, but let's talk about some of our defensive leaders. Uh, let's check out some of these stats. Bumper pool, 20 tackles. Seven of those were solo, and he was all over the field, man. He was everywhere. Uh, Grant Morgan coming in strong for 15 tackles, four of those solo. Uh, thought Grant might have been hurt early on in the game, kind of walked off the field with like an arm issue, but he came back and played great. Uh, and then Jalen Catalan went for 13 tackles, nine of those solo, which is an incredible kind of a stat there. Um, and Joe Fouché, obviously, with two picks, uh, and Greg Brooks Jr. with a pick six, which actually ended up being the difference in the game. So crucial points off of a defensive turnover right there. Um, yeah, and just an incredible performance by the defense. Uh, on offense, Felipe Franks went led the way in the Hogs for passing, going 20 of 28 for 212 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Traylon Smith actually paced the backfield. Of course, Raheem kind of banged up, but Traylon Smith went for 14 carries for 48 yards, added five catches for 22 yards. Raheem Boyd had eight carries for 28 yards before we saw him kind of get banged up and bent over in an awkward way, and he just... Kind of wasn't a factor in the game, kind of moving forward. Still got, I think, a little bit of action, but just wasn't really there and couldn't get him going. But, you know, he was pretty banged up. Devian Warren pacing the Hogs on receiving end with four catches for 100 yards, including that 52-yard scamper he had. Uh, of course, the TD where he's wide open in the back. Trey Knox went for three catches for 31 yards, and Mike Woods, three catches for 29 yards. And Mike Woods uh, looked real good, real physical, and made a lot of the catches he made were impressive. I mean, it's only three, but he looked, he looked like a, a an athlete, um, you know, on the field out there. So those are the numbers, but of course, like we, as we've seen here in both the games, I would say numbers don't tell the full story of Arkansas's performance here. I think it's a testament, obviously, just to how well Barry Odom was prepared to handle the air raid. If you read in my newsletter, Pigtails, you'd uh, have known, I guess, that we were just going to drop eight guys in coverage, and yeah. LSU did not do that, and so... They paid the price for that. I think of the 620-something passing yards that they had, like 350 were after the catch. So seeing, I guess, the defense flying all over the field, looking like athletes that belong. Bumper pool, 20 tackles. My God. Uh, just really a special performance against a team that was hyped up going into this game. They knocked off the defending national champs. They were good, man. And this not only is this a ranked Mississippi State team, this is the like talk of college football. They have a ton of buzz. Mike Leach is a you know getting these guys like national attention. KJ Costello looked incredible last week. They just destroyed the de- defending national champions. And like, I mean, I don't think the buzz is it's certainly not for nothing because if you do that, you deserve to be talked about. But man, I if and and granted, we were wrong. Like, if you listen to the last podcast, we both counted this as a loss and maybe we're a little too hard on the hogs but I mean to be fair if you had seen what they had done to 
LSU, you would kind of assume that they were going to be able to do that against us. But I agree. I think for a good majority of the game, we looked like the better team and we showed it on defense and we didn't do anything complicated. We do exactly what you have to do uh, and which you wrote about last week is you just have to defend the pass when you're when you're going against the area. And that happens by dropping eight into coverage. You just got to have enough people to cover the guys that they got going out for passes. And, you know, traditionally, I just am never sure about whether or not we can handle, you know, that kind of, all right, everybody's got to cover someone uh, just because of the number of wide open touchdowns we've had over the years. But uh, I was just really impressed. They looked like they knew what they were doing. They looked like, looked like they were, I mean, we had guys swarming to the tackle. One of my biggest jealousies, I guess, of the Alabamas, Georgias, and LSUs is that they have like three guys making a tackle at once. And we never really seem to do that. We usually seem to have kind of some arm tackling and one-on-one. Uh, here, that was not the case. I mean, I said Bumper Pool had 20 tackles. Grant Morgan with 15. I mean, that's 35 tackles from two guys, which means that they're getting to the ball a lot. So for us to just be schematically that prepared for us to pass rush going against, you know, a pretty decent offensive line, only rushing three guys. I mean, I felt like Marshall, Jonathan Marshall had a great game. They all did. Yeah. I mean, truly bro- broke through to put, put Costello in some co- in some uncomfortable situations where he felt compelled to throw the way, or maybe he felt the need to force something, and it just, he didn't look... I mean, the man still completed a ton of passes and had a ton of yards, but he didn't look sharp, and I think you're not always going to look sharp, especially when you throw three interceptions, but he just didn't look necessarily comfortable, even though there were certainly plays where he had time in the pocket. There was still enough times where we made him feel maybe rushed, or just, he couldn't get to where where he wanted to go and of course you know when with with your first string running back goes down that that kind of affects how you operate but when the air raid you know your running back goes down you can just kind of plug and play some people you can tell he can maybe kind of miss kylan a little bit for just kind of that security blanket i mean kylan had almost 150 receiving yards the last game so he's a safety valve for him but yeah i just we did a great job of not, not doing anything special or sexy of just getting guys covered. And when they caught the ball, we didn't let them get away. There was not a ton of yards after catch against the Hogs here. And we kind of swarmed a lot. We had guys flying around, which was great to see. And they just, whatever Barry's doing, he's watching the film and he's implementing things and he's doing it the right way. And he's getting his guys ready to go. Yeah. I mean, they were just ready to go. It, it, it I don't want to say that I haven't felt that in a long time, but even to a degree, like in the Bobby Petrino years, it just felt like maybe the passion, they were more of a professional team. I think Bielema is probably the closest we got to that kind of level of passion uh, before, obviously the king of passion, Houston nut, but for Pittman to really rile up these guys and get them going, despite the fact that this was the 126th ranked defense in the country last year. Uh, it's just, they must love him, and Barry Odom must be a hell of a defensive coordinator because, but but, but Pittman must be one of a great number of low ego guys that he's just letting Barry Odom coordinate, and that goes a long way. Obviously, uh, I'm already worried about losing Barry Odom a little bit, but for him to take the guys from last year and the year before, where we saw them struggle game in and game out, and were blown out by this team, this Mississippi State team, who's only gotten better. Uh, 
man, it's just incredible to see the development and the culture change between all these players. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, is like, it kind of makes you wonder like, how are these guys not like this last year? I mean, you had, you had the same guys and I understand that the coaching staff, like it's more of an indictment on the coaching staff of just like, we have this kind of talent and granted, you know, we don't recruit as well, but like coach Pittman said, all we needed was the guys that were on the plane. And that sounds right. Like these guys looked like an SEC caliber defense. They looked like they were ready to play. They looked like they knew what they were doing and like were excited to get out there and do it um, for a coach that had coached them up the right way. So it's really, it's curious to see like how, not only like the performance on the field, but just how big of a jump this coaching staff has been able to kind of establish two games into a season that is all SEC opponents. Let me do so like to show how good these guys were. Let me read you the results of each drive that Mississippi State had in this game. All right, so this is the first half. Pick six, first drive. Touchdown on the next drive. The air raid's going to move. It was a good drive. 15 plays, 75 yards, seven minutes off the clock. It was a good good drive. But you're going to give up points. So the next drive. Punt. The next drive. Punt. The next drive. Punt. The next drive. Fuchet's interception. The next drive, punt, end of the half. The next half, they come in out of the locker room and answer our touchdown with a touchdown. Again, 14 plays, 76 yards, it was a good drive. After that, interception, punt, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, end of the game as we shove them out of bounds. Like, that is not the script that you would associate with the best offense in college football, but it might be one that you talk about with one of the better defenses in college football. That does not read like what, or that does not read what I would consider as uh, like an Arkansas defensive stat sheet. If you were to look at Arkansas over the last three years, if if you were just putting like a blind resume out and you said, what defense caused this series of series for Mississippi State? I would not say Arkansas. And it felt like because I, it, we had it, it felt like we bend a lot, but didn't break because it felt like they, they moved the ball a lot of us on us a lot, like in chunks and, and, but they never could find the end zone or they could never convert when they needed to. Uh, and so, like we said, like we did, we gave up a lot of yards, but I would, I would consider them a kind of like a lot of empty yards of like yards kind of between the twenties or, just long kind of plays that put them in position to do something, but they we closed, we like clamped down when we needed to. Yeah, it was, I mean, with the air raid, passes are going to happen. Like, you're just going to give up yards. And all of the stuff we gave up was just underneath. I mean, even those two touchdown drives that they did have, it felt like it took them forever when that offense is kind of predicated on getting it down the field pretty quickly. I think it's a great testament to how humble, I guess, Pittman is. I've already said this kind of, but just that, you know, in the past, egos have gotten in the way. It made you wonder, you know, who's really calling the plays here? I think Barry Odom probably just came to uh, Coach Pittman and said, hey, we've got this plan. Let's run with it. It's different than everything we've done in the past X number of games because we don't ever drop eight. Um, But he let him put it in. He let him run his defense and yeah. we've seen here that that was the recipe yeah. for success against this Mississippi State team so kudos to Pittman for knowing you know his limitations and his strengths and uh, letting his coaches coach I know that's kind of a cliche but he did 
Yeah. This guy, yeah, this guy probably knows a little bit more about the defensive side of the ball and, and specifically for this game than I do. And I'm going to trust that that's going to work out. So it shows a, a incredible level of trust in his coordinators. And I, I think that's just, just a, a, a kind of something we're not used to seeing in Arkansas is a healthy locker room, whether it be between coach and players, whether it be between, you know, staff members and, or like everyone in general, just, you know, the last year with Chad, it was like, it's kind of was like a malaise. And then it turned to like just some outright aggression of like, who wants to play for this guy? I certainly don't. So just not only was he able to install this incredible defense and trust his coordinators and things like that, but it's just a healthier, more cohesive locker room situation. And I think that only is going to produce positive results, regardless of scores. I just think the outcomes and and consequences of that are going to be positive and Arkansas do some positive aggression. It, is really, you know, I feel a little foolish. I did not necessarily hype up the Sam Pittman hire, but the more and more I think about it and the more we dive into his regime, the more I feel like this is just a perfect hire. You can tell, like, he loves the school, he loves the kids, he loves Arkansas, and he's going to do it his way. And thus far, I'm liking what I see. He does not feel out of his depth. Um, he does not feel like he's not speaking to the players like Chadwick. Uh, but if you're Hunter Juracek, you have got to feel like a genius because at the very least, optically, he looks like a genius. Yeah, I mean, he's nailed his last two big hires, you know, Musselman followed by Pittman now. So, yeah, things are – It's it feels, for if, at least for the moment, feels like a very good time to be an Arkansas fan, mostly because there was a very low bar to clear, but we have indeed cleared it. Um, let's talk about our offense, um, which did not necessarily inspire the same sort of cheering uh, and screaming and jumping that maybe the defense did, but – I also think I might have been a little too hard of it in, in retrospect, and I'll I'll go into what I mean here. Is like our offense wasn't necessarily uh, good, and it wasn't very exciting, but it was also like I think it is mostly directed at Felipe, Felipe Franks. Like he was smart with the ball; he didn't turn it over. He threw it away a lot, and like that frustrates me because I have to watch him just kind of, you know, kind of blow a play and throw it away. But my guy didn't turn the football over. I mean, he was 20 of 28 for 212 yards, two touchdowns, very efficient day, if not the most dazzling stat line, but a 77.7 QB rating, not, I mean, right at average, you know, and that's kind of all he needed to do. And I think I was expecting more of him to like kind of razzle and dazzle me. Uh, and that's not really his prerogative. It's his job to take care of the football and lead us on drives. And we were able to actually for once sustain some drives. Yeah, I think it's really a testament to just how freaking good that Georgia defense is. I mean, my goodness, they put the beat down on Auburn, as we said earlier. And whether or not we want to call Auburn an elite offense or not, that defense is just something else. So it was good to be able to see us move the ball some. They did still struggle. And I do think there are going to be some little quirks here and there where I'm just not going to like how cute Kendall Bryles uh, sometimes gets with the playbook. Obviously, we moved the ball. I am kind of with you on Frank's. Uh, he has a giant arm and we've seen it. So you kind of want to see him turn it loose a little bit, but evidently his job is just protect the ball. And really his stat line probably is unfair because despite him having the career game, Devion Warren did drop a really long pass that was hit right on the money. Yeah. 
and he didn't miss his wide open throws either. If the guy was open, he hit him like he didn't. I mean, of course, there's always throws he wanted to miss, but I mean, he had two essentially wide open touchdown throws and he didn't miss them. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not much to ask for, but you can't always just count on that either. No, and certainly not for us in the past. <laughs> um, I think if I were to tweak anything on offense right now, it would just be the offensive coordinating job by Kendall Bryles. And that's not to, you know, we scored points, we moved the ball, but that still seems to be the area where we're having some hiccups. To Yeah. Like, you know, I don't like pulling Franks at the goal line and putting in KJ. I like KJ and I think he'll be a good quarterback, but everybody in the stadium knows you're running then. And Franks has legs. Yeah. So don't pull out a guy when you're driving. And it's just, you know, all the little tricks he plays that seem to have backfired every single time. I don't know. On one hand, I like it because it's fun, but it has to work, I guess, for it to be fun. Yeah. He does like to, to mix it up when he doesn't necessarily need to mix it up. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just like there are a couple of things here and there. Like, I understand that quarterbacks in Bryle's system never take snaps under center, but at what point do you start making exceptions? Like he's six six and there were a couple of fourth and ones that we either didn't go for it or tried to do something out of the shotgun and I don't know. I'm like you're gonna have to learn this if you wanna play in the NFL, so just like put Franks under center and fall forward. He's six six. You'll convert. It's just I don't know, little stuff like that. But again, I guess if I'm complaining about that, maybe I'm complaining about the wrong things. It's just, again, it's the little things. The pulling KJ, he gets stopped on the goal line, and you run it four times there. I just, if you're going to trick somebody, you're going to pass it with KJ or something, because literally everybody in the stadium knows that he's going to run it. Yeah, and K- I mean KJ is our is our athlete quarterback. You know, I mean it kind of signals like I mean not that he can't throw the ball. I, we've seen that he can, but if you're bringing in KJ to run the quarterback position out of like a wildcat or a shotgun or something, you can kind of assume there's going to be some sort of option or running thing involved. So it's not exactly rocket science to figure that out. And also uh, another example is it was I think second and nine when we ran that double de- double reverse where we ended up fumbling the ball and just didn't look great and you know a double reverse on second and nine like we're not we're not the san francisco 49ers you're not kyle shanahan uh, like there's like you know they they can do that because they just kind of do that stuff all the time but for us it's second and nine and we got you know two uh, i mean even for cream boys out at this point Traylon smith has shown like some bursts here or like felipe franks has shown that he can r- run these intermediate kind of throws to the sideline to get you some yards it just just feels unnecessary and so i think the the main word or the main adjective i would use to describe the last two games I've seen and again small sample size but I've just been unimpressed I have not been impressed from what I've seen from Kendall Bryles so far as far as calling and and getting in a game flow and some of the decisions he's made I haven't been necessarily disappointed but I really thought he was going to bring a little more to the table because that's kind of his thing is like he gets offenses going and makes them fun and likes to throw the ball around but I man I don't I just haven't seen that necessarily so far. And granted, he's got some different personnel than maybe what he was working with when he was a Baylor, but I don't think that's really an excuse if, if, if that's what your chronic thing is. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It just feels like something's a little off, and maybe that's just new team, no preseason, new quarterback, new skill position players, but there's talent on this team. I mean, Boyd got hurt, obviously. Burks got hurt, obviously. But Trey Knox, Mike Woods... Those are good athletes. Those are the athletes that you want to have anywhere. So I guess to 
struggle with that at, at least like offensive line seems improved so it's not like that's you know the hugest huge issue but it just they seem a little off and that's fine i guess and you know facing georgia everybody's going to be off so maybe we've only got a one game sample size but it just I, i'm with you there i i don't want to be too hard on such a small sample size but it just feels to me like I don't know. Something's wrong. And there could at least be some tweaking going on that will at least help him live up to his reputation, maybe. Yeah. And to echo your point, like, I, it's probably being like maybe a little harder on him because, like, I don't, I don't think about, you know, I have already forgotten that we didn't have a, a preseason that we just kind of like started hopping back into football. And, you know, that's partially my fault. But I would also say, like, I'm giving him like a very, very long leash and like my personal opinion. Like, this whole season is whatever he wants to do. I'm probably going to be down for it. I think, I think it's just that the expectation I had for him based off the kind of buzz that he had garnered in his coaching career as a college coordinator just hasn't matched necessarily. It's been, like it, it is. He was sold as like creative when really it just seems kind of gadgety at the at the moment. We're just like running kind of like a lot of gadget plays sometimes or trick plays, and it doesn't seem creative so much as it just seems like I run a pretty standard offense, and every once in a while we'll do like a triple reverse and we'll throw it back to the quarterback. And I think there's a difference between like fun plays and a creative offense. And maybe we're just not there yet. Um, it takes offense longer to install than it does defense and like i said there's been no preseason for them to get this installed maybe that's the source of the hiccups or whatever keep happening but let's not undersell the offense i mean devion warren had a career night he had freaking four catches for 100 yards and that wide open touchdown obviously he had the really bad drop and the whatever the heck happened with the turnover on the jet sweep, but uh, it it was a good night for the offense, and they were able to move the ball without some playmakers. I mean, we won this game without Boyd and Burks pretty much for the entire time, and I would say if you're taking a poll of who our best players are on offense, those two are going to finish at the top or near the very top of it. So uh, I don't want to undersell the fact that this offense moved the ball. It's just we're going to have to stop getting so many three-and-outs. I really uh, things look better. Things do look better, and I think too. I'm I'm only complaining about the offense because I was so excited about how the defense performed that I, you know, I needed to find something to complain about. And he's just the easiest target at the moment. I'm not even you know ups- necessarily upset. It's just like this is what I had to laser focus in on when I was watching the game. Was it just seemed like we had some opportunities to maybe even put more points on the board or to kind of put the game away in the fourth quarter that were squandered either by play calling or execution of the plays that were called. You know, uh, it sucked that. We had to spend the last 35 seconds of the game being like, oh, no, I think I know how this movie ends because it's Arkansas and that's what happens. But this time it just didn't happen. You know, it, we we finished and we closed and we and we stopped and I was so proud of us. And, you know, I like you drink a celebratory beer and went to bed because I'm almost 30. And <laughs> but like, I, you know, the the. It's just, you know, it's just what I have to, to talk about as far as the offense goes is just some kind of nitpicky stuff. Now, it's not even a huge deal. It's just stuff I want to see us get better at because I think we can be better. Yeah, for sure. I think the sky is the limit with this team in terms of talent. It does make us both look like fools for picking. Uh, we had little faith in this Arkansas team. Uh, we doubted them. Right. So uh, we both got our pred- predictions wrong. We got a win. Yes. 
Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited to, so we've already, we're both of us are already 0 for 1 on the season as far as picks go, uh, because both of us had Arkansas losing this game. So I think a good question is, you know, in, you know, next episode, we'll take a, an upcoming look at our next game. But overall, what do you think this means for Arkansas moving forward? I don't know, you know, how many exact number of wins and losses I'm ready to add to the schedule. Right. But this team is going to, uh, cause problems yes like they're gonna cause some problems for people i know that's kind of a cliche saying i know that's kind of a saying that a lot of people who are fans of bad teams say but for where we are right now i think these guys are motivated and ready to play i think they're ready to go out there and show some people that hey maybe we're not what we used to be right and so i you know i would not be shocked to see a couple more upsets that LSU upset that I predicted feels really good now and obviously you had us beating Tennessee I think in that first episode so who knows about that one it's hard to evaluate over such a short season but just generally speaking I would expect us to be at least nightmares for Vegas because we'll be going against the spread every time and I, I don't anticipate many blowouts. Obviously, you have your Alabama game that's a worry, but we've played other people close with worse teams, you know? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm totally excited to see where this team goes because, quite frankly, I feel like Sam Pittman's playing with house money at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's got. I mean, like he is he is in a great scenario. He is in the driver's seat, and he's got about as much as goodwill as anybody in the country that I could think of right now. Um, and that'll that this win will no matter what happens the rest of this season, he can say, "I got you guys your first SEC win in three years," and that is going to be quite enough for me for <laughs> for and for some other people for sure. Uh, that said, we want more wins, and I think there are very feasible wins on the table for us. Uh, and I think too, like you said, we are no longer a trap game um people you know and, and we kind of were a trap game going into into this game because of course mississippi state coming off being the national champs they're getting all the buzz we collapsed in the second half against georgia i mean this this is like a pretty easy open and shut case of who's gonna win and like why and then it ended up not being that and we ended up being us so i think people saw that is a, a later game people were it was getting buzzed on twitter i saw because you know the hogs haven't won in a while and Twitter, you know, football, college football Twitter was paying attention to us and, you know, for good reasons, uh, which was really cool. And I think, yeah, that that takes away our, our kind of sneak element of surprise and that kind of trap game. I think people will start to prepare for us a little more seriously. And, you know, we're going to go up against some teams that will probably beat us and maybe might beat us handily, but I don't think that they're going to overlook us. No, I think we're going to be kind of the at least carefully eyed opponent you know we're not going to be the bye week that i'm sure that a lot of our sec opponents used to look at us as and you know i think that's great (laughs) i know that feels like a low bar to clear but to not be the speed bump on the road to a national championship or something uh, is better than i expected us to be at right now i don't want the expectations to jump up through the roof yeah like to just go all the way but I have higher expectations. Yeah, and we, I mean, just not to sound too cliche as again, but man, we're going to get some swagger back. Like, if you can walk around with like, hey, I've got an SECC win, like, we're playing good as a team, like, that's just going to carry you, uh, you know what I mean? And like, right now, it's very funny to think about, but Arkansas is second in the SEC West, just by 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 winning the, 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 
the victory that they had and the magnitude of it and like how it stood in the standings. Arkansas currently right now, you know, October uh, the 4th uh, is second in the SEC West. Uh, and you can't take that away from us, uh, <laughs> which is just rude. stop the season now. Stop it right now. <laughs> Usually we're saving that for alphabetical lists. Alphabetical order. That's how we get second. <laughs> Like I said, like I'm, I'm so happy for these players that have dealt with so much turnover and turmoil and just scrutiny and speculation about the future and health of this program, and just so happy for the fans who have had to deal with the same, the same thing, and and just have like suffered and ground through these last three seasons, and have come out the other side and have earned this victory against the most buzzed about team in the nation, and now Arkansas gets to have a little buzz. It's like it's not anything like Mississippi State got, but they got to be kind of the talk of college football for Saturday, and that's awesome. That hasn't happened to Arkansas in so long, and to feel a sense of pride and happiness because of my football team is something that I have not been able to experience, just like you have for a long time. Hello, folks. This is Tucker Partridge. Usually this would be the end of an episode, but given that my podcast editing software decided not to behave this week, we've just gone ahead and given you the whole mega episode together. So upcoming will be the second half of this episode where we'll be breaking down the game at the weekend against Auburn. Uh, but usually you'll be able to look for this as a Monday recap of the previous weekend's game and a Thursday preview of the coming weekend's game. Obviously some glitches on our side. So apologies for that, but Hey, you get your whole content episode extra mashup this time. So Anyways, back to the show. Welcome to another episode of Hog in the Mic. I'm Tucker Partridge. My co-host is Saul Malone. Before we get into our preview of the game, it's important to acknowledge this is a very special game. It's a revenge game of sorts, as we face the two most hated men in all of Arkansas athletics, Gus Malzahn and Chadwick Morris. Mr. Razorback himself, Chad Morris. Uh, that's right, we're playing Auburn. First non-Bulldog opponent of the season. We will obviously be facing off against the Tiger slash War Eagle, uh, but not for my thoughts on that mascot, but Joe Fouché, Mr. Pick himself with the two interceptions against Mississippi State, said, Hogs love the wet weather that we're expecting this weekend. War Eagles go inside. <laughs> Absolutely roasted them. <laughs> they will never yeah. recover. <laughs> That's devastating stuff from Joe Fouché. Great stuff, Joe. Uh, shout out to Joe getting the helmet sticker as well from Joey Galloway on college football finale. You love to see it. You love to see just Razorbacks being good enough to be given that honor again. Like, we're getting helmet stickers on national TV. Joe Fouché is getting a helmet sticker on national TV. We have guys that do that now. <laughs> Something that hasn't happened in a while, but man, you know, it's only up from here. Only up from here. Uh, speaking of up, I guess, we are trending up. Auburn is trending down. Why don't you give us the stats for Auburn through their season so far, if you do not mind, and explain why they're trending down. 
Yeah, no problem. Uh, Auburn offense versus Kentucky looked pretty good. Uh, they won 29-13 to and put up 324 yards of total offense. 233 of that was in the air. Bo Nix tossed three touchdowns, only 91 yards rushing on the ground, and Bo Nix actually, actually led all Tigers with rushing with 34 yards. Uh, that said, versus Georgia, they looked like garbage. They were awful looking. They, looked, they sunk. There's no way else to put it. They only put up 216 total yards of offense. Uh, 177 yards of that was passing, only 39 yards on the ground. Um, they could not get it going at all and just plainly looked bad. Uh, Bo Nix looked confused. He looked worse than he did when he was a freshman. This is his second year in the system. Um, and we'll get into that in a second. And then let's look at some defense uh, real quick. Auburn defense versus Kentucky gave up 384 yards, 239 in the air, 145 on the ground. They did have an interception and forced two fumbles, which they recovered. Uh, but versus Georgia, they gave up 442 yards, 240 in the air, 202 on the ground. Um, and interesting note about that Kentucky game, they actually were outgained by Kentucky in that game. So they've been outgained in both, uh, both contests they've played in, and they're averaging 413 total yards of offense surrendered per game right now. So not necessarily an ironclad defense and an offense that is coming off of a pretty horrendous performance versus, granted, what is a good Georgia team, but a team that Auburn was expected to compete with pretty handily. Yeah, it's really weird to gauge, I guess, this season. I've said this a million times already in the two-plus podcast episodes we've recorded, but it it's hard to evaluate talent. Like, I don't know how good yeah. anybody is this year. Uh, Georgia, we feel pretty comfortable saying, has a great defense, but man, call me biased, whatever. I've been hate-watching Chad Morris's teams, and I don't think they looked that good against Kentucky <laughs> I I really don't. I thought that, you know, they got the two interceptions and the fumble recovery or, you know, the three turnovers, and that gives you a shorter field to deal with. And they just capitalized on that. But man, they looked like an Arkansas team of old under Chad Morris. You know, everybody's lost. Bo Nix is not playing as well. The running backs, I mean, the running game is awful. They're averaging like 2.5 yards a carry and like 65 yeah. yards a game it's it's there they look like a chad morris coach team and so yeah. i i don't know how to gauge how to feel about this one but i certainly feel like we're trending up and they're trending down so i would feel good about it it's just strange to be in that position as as far as trend is trending up it's arkansas and trending down is auburn so i mean of all the times to play them now's a good one they're coming off just just a god awful performance. I mean, 216 total yards is so such an un-Auburn thing to say. I mean, and they in both games can have not gotten anything going rushing wise. I mean, 91 yards versus Kentucky, one third of that's from your quarterback on some scrambles and design runs. But their running back attack and their running attack just isn't as sharp as it should be for an SEC offense right now. And it, you're right. I think as far as just passing an eye test, like they don't look good. They look sloppy and like disorganized and kind of confused on what they're doing. I mean, they kind of look like Arkansas straight straight up. They look like what Arkansas looked like last year and like they don't know what quite what they're doing and, and we know the common denominator there um that said they're still a team that is loaded with weapons i mean bo Nix, when he's on he's on man he looked great last year as a freshman it's his second year in the system um or second year at auburn i guess chad's bringing in a new system so he yeah it's just you know like 
I, I don't want to like put it past him that he could just go off next game because he very much has that potential, and their receivers are some of the best in the SEC. So it's a pretty special receiving group, and I, we kind of saw that against Auburn when he tossed those three touchdowns, or excuse me, against Kentucky when he tossed those three touchdowns. But, you know, Bo Nix and Auburn can – if they choose to, they can they can flip a switch and take it to the next level and start lighting up the scoreboard pretty quick if you're not careful. But I mean, if we're talking eye test, Arkansas has passed the eye the eye test in the last two games uh, from against Mississippi State and against Georgia, especially in that first half against Georgia. We're flying around to the ball. We're getting we're forcing turnovers. We we are playing good sound defense, and we are clearly taking to heart what Barry Odom is preaching. So. I'd say a hot defense and a cooling offense make for a, a pretty interesting matchup on Saturday. Uh, I think anybody with any sense would realize that Auburn definitely has a beat when it comes to talent gap. They just are going to get better recruits than we get because they're Auburn and they've won three national championships and are right next to Atlanta and in Alabama and very close to Florida. So they're already going to have us beat in terms of some recruiting advantages. Mm. So I don't think anybody's, you know, saying that they're no. not going to be able to out talent us if possible. But this, this was decidedly my pick, I guess, for the st- sideline that's most likely to implode this year because of egos. And there's already people talking about how Chad Morris is ruining this team and how Bo Nix looks worse than last year. Like, you know, it. it we're seeing what we've been taught to see i guess it's just i don't know i i feel better about this one than i did before we beat mississippi state so i'm hoping you know i i would not i think 18 points is what the line opened at and that feels too high so i think we're down around 15 now probably close closer to 14 i think that's the right direction I think that's the right direction because I do not see us being just played off the field by this team. A stat that I saw this week, I think it was by Andrew Hutchinson, um, was that the 2018 defense, which finished a 106th in the country in total scoring defense, uh, six of the 11 starters on that team have now played an NFL snap. So there's some questionable, I guess, evaluation there from Chad Morris. So it makes me think that the players are going to be ready to go for this one. I'm not a math guy, but that doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. No, it doesn't. And you have six NFL-capable players uh, being evaluated by a clown like Chad Morris. And I... I if I'm a player on that team, knowing what I know about Chad Morris, I'm ready to go get some personal fouls <laughs> against Auburn. Yeah. Yeah. This guy cost me half, minimum half my college career because he couldn't get his shit together. And I, when is the last time that you felt like not embarrassed or like that it wasn't ironic that Arkansas was doing a little smack talking? And, the, we, you know. We, we I don't care like it's it's applicable we can do it with like a little bit of confidence behind us and with some swagger because hey we we won an SEC game you guys just got front flip de stomped by the Bulldogs like 
let's let's go out and, and play a dang football game and we're going to get physical. I, this is going to be a physical game because I think, like you said, there's some bad blood between Arkansas and players and Chad Morris and his former staff. And also, the I mean, just like our defense has been playing physical football. So I think you put those two things together and this is going to get a, as the as they say on TV, it's going to get a little chippy out there. Yeah, it's like we've already got the bad blood between Gus and Arkansas just because it feels like he uses us all the time for a pay raise. So uh, that bad blood's there. But, I mean, with the players, I would be so mad, my God. Like, apparently he's giving Auburn's defense tips on what types of players uh, Arkansas has. And I'm like, dude, how do you know anything? you don't like you have not evaluated a single player correctly in your time at Arkansas. So yeah, sure. Go advise their defense, advise their defense to be bad. I do want to be clear, I guess though, that I don't, I'm saying all of this, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, but Pittman's going to have them ready to go. Like, I don't think realistically, there's not going to be any discipline issues. Uh, I don't see you know, I I see Pittman having them ready to go. And so, yeah, maybe there will be a couple of chippy moments, but I don't think they're going to be resting on their laurels. I don't think they're going to be, you know, doing anything other than getting ready for the next game because you can't hold on to a win. We've learned that. They were hung over after Colorado State last year. I don't think that'll be a problem this year. And I'm glad to be, you know, headed in the right direction in terms of that. I don't think I'm ready to call it an Arkansas win. You know, I just think Auburn has better talent, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. And I think that there's a possibility that we can win this, which again is more than we could say uh, over trends for the past couple of years. Here's the thing is I would much rather be proven wrong in, in that regard and get a win than just come out and just with too much confidence because we're coming off our first SEC win. I think this is going to be a good heat check game uh, of like, hey, are we for real? Or is, you know, do we just kind of get lucky and, you know, we got the we got to force some turnovers and things kind of went our way with muff punts? Or are we a team that is going to stick our nose in it and start playing? So good heat check game. I think 15 points might even be a little high. I might give it like I put it maybe like 15 or 13. Yeah, that seems right. But also just again, just watching our defense fly around it. I feel a a little bit like it's going to be closer. I still think, you know, what it comes down to almost every team we play is just going to have so much more depth than us. Um, And we've got some guys that are good and like our athletes are going to fly around the football. We talk about that, but it's just a matter of depth at the end of the day. And, I think Auburn, of course, is going to have a few more guys that are better athletes, but I think we're scrappy and I think we're trending up. So I I can't quite give us a win either, but I think if we lose, it's maybe 28-21, 28-17, something like that. Not a blowout. Not a blowout. No. I just – I every game in the series in the past, like, 20 years has been a blowout in some degree. So I'm hesitant to, like, say, oh, this one's not going to be a blowout because it very well could be, but – I just, this team doesn't seem like the kind that's going to lay down and take it like last year and the year before. And that's not, again, to discredit the guys at all. It's just, we've come leaps and bounds coaching. 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really important that we're able to sustain some drives to keep Bo Nix off the field. Um, and I think I want what I want from uh, Felipe Franks is while he uh, I mean, I, I can't really complain again. 20 for 28 and two touchdowns, no interceptions last game. That said, I mean, he looks he's boring. He's just kind of boring. And I like, I know it's not like a valid complaint, but I just watched him like throw it away four or five times in a row or like scramble out and like not to basically just like not take a sack. And he took some shots, but they were shots that were wide. I want to see him sling it, man. Like, I feel like we haven't, like, I'm down and I get that. Sam Pittman and, and the offensive guys are coaching him up to not turn the ball over, but he was a gunslinger at Florida, and man, he, if he didn't put some of the most electrifying plays on tape when he was doing it, and so I want that Felipe Franks a little bit, because at some point, what does Arkansas have to lose, especially this season? Not a lot. So, uh, like, I say, let it rip a little more, Felipe. Like, hum that thing. I know you can. Yeah, no, I mean, he's got a cannon, so he definitely is capable of turning him loose down the field, and quite frankly, I can see this defense being able to be moved upon. So I don't know. Give him a shot. Yeah. I I agree. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be the bummer guy. I, I don't see a win, but I, I think that it's a, more of a hopeful doubt. Yes. Uh, it's a, it's a hopeful cynicism, if you will. Yeah. Which is better than what we've been in, you know, over the past couple of years. I figured if you told me at the beginning of the season, hopeful cynicism, it's truly the best we could possibly ask for, given the circumstances. Before we head to our usual outros and plugs and stuff, I have a little piece that I found on an Auburn fan forum that reads like something out of Hogville last year. So I'm going to give you a nice little selected reading from it. Sandlot football. Every once in a while, after a particularly horrendous performance, a university with guts just has had enough and fires a coach or coaches early in the season. I greatly applaud them. FSU firing Taggart relatively quickly is an example. I was going to say that Morris has shown us nothing, but it is a crystal clear that he has shown us something. Chad Morris has shown us that he is clearly out of his league. He very clearly does not have what it takes to succeed. We are regressing quickly. (laughs) Great example. On third and maybe six, Bo rolls right and throws the ball away, and he threw it away because the wide receiver had not been trained to look back at the quarterback. Wide receiver was running downfield completely covered, 30 yards from the line, when he could have just run back towards the quarterback. But the thought never crossed his mind. Truly a dumpster fire by every definition. Absolutely no offensive identity whatsoever. A complete atrocity. Looks like we weren't even calling plays. Truly Sandlot football. No notes. I have no notes. That is the Chad Morris experience encapsulated in just such a righteous anger. (laughs) <laughs> I cannot fathom that this it's almost seems like someone that gave up on Arkansas football to like was like, you know what? I'll just be an Auburn fan. And now they just have to deal with him twice because the the anger that this man is expressing is so deep and so like felt in his bones. <laughs> My man was analyzing a third and sixth throwaway. Like, it's just like you cannot take it. <laughs> uh. That's going to do it for us. 
this week on a fully packed uh, hog in the mic. I've been Tucker Partridge. This has been Saul Malone. You can find us on any podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, the feed that we post to Google Podcasts if you're weird. Are there any other podcasts? All you seem to have a feel for that. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you want to be on Pocket Cast, Overcast, all those kind of weird, uh, like indie ones, if you're into that, I get it. Do your own thing. Respect. Yeah, uh, respect. So uh, find us on that. If you'd like to read more uh, of my content, I have a newsletter called Pigtails. You can find that at pigtails.substack.com. Uh, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I predicted what Barry Odom's defense would be ahead of the Mississippi State game, so check that out. And for other sports, if you want to see some other funny posts by Saul, he runs the Blue Wire Podcast's Twitter account, so give them a follow and see what he's up to in other sports. And then, as usual, uh, just give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at Tucker Partridge, and he's at Saul Malone. Pretty easy. Uh, Until next time, we'll be diving into hopefully another Arkansas win, uh, or at least something to make fun of Chad Morris about. So until then, Saul, any last words? Just got one thing to say as always, baby. Whoop big and suck it, Chad Morris. Go Hogs.